Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. You know, friends, I want you to take a step back with me and we must ask ourselves, what is the modern church attendance model actually producing? That would be a very important question. I believe we should walk with wisdom. We should be those who discern and rightly divide the word of truth, rightly divide what is true and what is counterfeit posing as the truth. Now, we talk about this on a regular basis on this channel, on this ministry website, safeguardyoursoul.com. If I am missing something, saints, gentlemen, men of God, please correct me. Info at safeguardyoursoul.com. We can talk by email and perhaps phone. But from what I see, unless I'm completely misled over the last, you know, 35, 36 years, the local churches have provided very little and increasingly less substance, biblical substance and preparation and equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. In fact, most people in America, regrettably, and that would include probably some of those listening to me, and I'm not condemning you, but we've got to talk about this stuff. The Bible says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they're they're of God. For many false prophets are going out into the world. Also, let's see, first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. Let me read that to you. It says, prove or test all things, hold fast that which is good. So notice, prove or test all things and hold fast or keep that which is good. If you hang around with me, prove or test my life and the fruit of it. The Bible, Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. The first person we need to monitor and perpetually till we're with Jesus in heaven is ourselves. Anybody else out there monitoring their own fruit? You shall know them. That begins with me. I've got to know me by my fruits. What's coming out of my mouth? What does my life look like? Is it a biblical life? Is it a life walking in the spirit or in the flesh? Increasingly in the spirit and less in the flesh. Amen. So prove all things, hold fast that which is good. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. Notice, examine yourself first. Okay, that's what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. He's not saying not to judge what's right and wrong or call people out for sin. He's saying, don't do it if you've got sin in your own life. So get the longs out of your own eye, and then God can use you to go, not condemn, but Help somebody else get delivered. So prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Also, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, you know, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32, if we would judge ourselves, how many people know we need to judge ourselves? We should not 
be judged. Because when we judge ourselves before the Lord and get corrected, you know, in some communities, they use the term come correct. I love that. I love that. Come correct. That's probably started with preachers. We would judge ourselves. We should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So we must receive remedial judgment, if you will, to be corrected now so that we are not judged and sent to hell with the world. That's 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. Very important passage there. And so what is it producing to go to church every week, once a week? Remember, the early church meant house to house daily, end of Acts 2. And then many will say, you got to have fellowship. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what we read in Hebrews 10, 25. Now, that's a very misused verse, if you will, because it's taught by the those that are building their own church businesses, and it's made to seem like, whether intentionally or not, that fellowship is limited to that Sunday morning hour or two in some church building, so-called, that was set up by a man. In most cases, we don't see that it's, it's set up biblically. We don't see people being equipped for the work of the ministry, which is the explicitly stated reason for elders, for the equipping of the saints, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, for the work of the ministry. Some listening to me have been in church for years and still aren't fruitful in the work of the Lord, which the Bible says we are to be abounding in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Now, I'm not trying to condemn you, although you should be convicted and cry out to God that you would live a crucified life out of which the resurrection grace of Christ is going to be laboring more abundantly in you. 1 Corinthians 15:10, Paul said, he labored more than they all, but yet not him, but the grace of God that labored in him. That's the cross life he and Jesus and the other apostles so often spoke about where we're dead and buried and Christ is raising us up. But you're not learning that cross in these modern churches. It's at the center of the gospel, the original gospel, not the false gospel that's being peddled in these modern churches. So when you talk about you got to go to church because the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, what constitutes church? Jesus said we're two or more gathered. Jesus, through Paul, said elders would be known in that they are doing what? Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That would include, as we see in the Apostle Paul, that he's telling his understudy, and that's given to us by the Holy Spirit and is spoken to each of us. You study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what a true elder does. He will do his best, although he can't make you do it. But he will rebuke you, he will expose you, he will encourage you, he will exhort you, and everything else under his power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and with the Word of God, get your appetite wet to get in the Word, and to stay in the Word, and be rich in the Word. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read, amen, Isaiah thirty-four sixteen. How about, blessed is he that readeth, amen, readeth the Bible, Revelation 1, Verse 3, how about Jeremiah 15, 16? Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I devoured them, the prophet said, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Amen. You want joy 
rolling around and bellowing out of your belly. Get in the word right there. And in many other places we see that's where our joy comes from. There is going to be no peace and love and joy coming from this world. It's got to come from heaven. And the way you plug into heaven, the way you sit at his feet, the primary way is going to be the word of God and prayer. Again, thy words, Jeremiah said, were found. That would equal picking up your Bible and putting it in your lap. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I don't know about you, but I'm just not going to live in this life without the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus. And you know, that requires that we eat at his beautiful banqueting table that he has spread for us. All things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are found in the exceeding great and precious promises of the Lord. That is the Holy Scriptures, specifically 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Also, the psalmist, Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, thy word, and nothing shall offend them. I don't know about you, beloved saints. I don't want to be anywhere else but sitting at his feet, full of his joy. Jesus said, no man, no man takes your joy from you because it comes from him, the king of all kings. John chapter 16, verse 22, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. That was before he went to the cross and your heart shall rejoice and your joy. No man take it from you. I love that. No man can take your joy because it comes from God who is unchanging. And as long as you're abiding in him, which is the context of the previous chapter, chapter 15, Jesus is speaking about that abiding, that walking with him relationship on his terms, walking in the spirit. You know, when you're doing that, he said, hey, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. And then in verse 8, John 15, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so shall ye be my disciples. See, in this passage, he speaks in this order about bearing fruit, which only comes out of that intimate walk in relationship with him. And that is fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Get in your Bible and underline it. Start in verse 1, John 15. Make this chapter your meat, your spiritual meat this week. I want you to read that chapter three times this week. Let me encourage you to do so. Your life will be forever changed as you do. Notice in verse 9, as the Father hath loved me, John 15, 9, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. There it is. We're talking about love, joy, and peace coming out of a born again, thereafter abiding relationship with Christ. That's what the kingdom of Christ is all about. Not just attending church services on Sunday. I don't know if I know one person who's a fervent churchgoer and is actually winning souls or ministering to people. Nobody comes to mind. And by the way, if we do know one or two or more, it's in spite of them going to that church. You know, just going through the rigmarole of going to a church building. You we got to grow out of that. We're not in need of that. We're in need of Christ every day. And what happens as you get involved in the church going, church attendance, rigmarole, the process of that, basically your life becomes compartmentalized. It's just inevitable. I'm not even saying that's intentional, but disobedience always has its price. Fellowship in the New Testament is seen house to house. Let me say it again, daily. Can anybody help me spell that? D-A-I-L-Y. 
Say it with me. Daily. Jesus said your fellowship with him daily is daily, and it involves denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. Somebody says, I don't know. I might fall away. Well, now, I'm not telling you not to pray about this, but I am saying if God is calling you to come out of the local church attendance lifestyle, obey him. He who saved you is able to keep you, and he will. But here's what it's going to do. It's going to set you up for success. Because, you see, you're no longer going to be dependent on going to church on Sunday. You're going to be getting up every day with joy in your heart saying, Lord, it's my responsibility personally, and you're holding me personally accountable and responsible to seek your face. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for this beautiful day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. I set my affection on things above, not on the things of the earth, Lord. And I know, Lord, that when Christ shall appear, then I am going to appear with you in glory, Lord Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit today, Lord. Set me apart for your glory. Let me stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Forgive me for my sins. Lord, in Jesus' name, take away the hardness of heart, the stony places, and give me a heart of flesh. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Cleanse me, purge me, and purify my heart, Heavenly Father. Make me holy as you are holy. I love you, Jesus. Amen, etc., etc., saints. We learn to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we're doing that, we're going to pray the Word of God, which is the stated will of God. And we're going to walk with the Lord daily. We're not going to be dependent on some pastor feeding us, one who, in most cases, we will all observe very clearly. is not getting you in the Word of God. They're not telling you like Paul told Timothy, hey, you sticking that long bony finger in your face, you need to get in the word. You understand? Get in the word of God. When I was a young Christian, I had a pastor tell me that very thing. I'm remembering it now. How could I forget? He looked at me with that finger. He put it in my face. He says, you need to get in the word. That man loved me. I haven't been out of the word since and will not be out of the word. It comes first. That's the first meal of my mornings, as I believe would be the case for every true disciple of Jesus. That is a wise virgin believer, not a foolish virgin who's not taking partnership, responsibility, and accountability before the great bridegroom who bought them. See, when you do that, when you love him, you fervently on fire with love for your bridegroom. You ever see a, a lady in love with a man? Like the song, When a Man Loves a Woman, or When a Woman Loves a Man. You ever look in their eyes? We've all been around that. Listen, God designed that, folks. That's how we got here. So don't be thinking this sacrilegious. Get over that. We need a revival of heterosexuality. One man, one woman for life. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God designed this magnetism. And when you see a young lady's eyes, a bride-to-be, looking at her bridegroom-to-be, you see a glistening, I don't even know how to begin to detail what you see, but we all know what it is, and it's incredible. That's a sovereign family unit coming together, beginning with the man and his wife, the wife and her husband, and that's how we should look at concerning Jesus. Amen. He's the great bridegroom. 
were engaged to him, Paul called it espoused. That's what we see in his parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. We're not with the bridegroom yet. We're not in glory. We're king's kids, but we ain't home yet, as somebody said. Sometimes engagements are broken. Jesus taught right there. He said five would be shut out. He was engaged to them. But they were shut out. The great bridegroom shut them out. Only those that were ready and stayed ready and loved him. It's kind of like the foolish thought, idiocy of thinking the insanity that a man who's engaged to a woman who doesn't have eyes only for him, who isn't enthralled with him, that he's going to go through with the marriage. He's not going to do that. Why would the son of God do that? The great bridegroom of heaven. Why would he bring anybody into his bridal chamber of the new Jerusalem who didn't want to be there? I'll tell you this right now, gentlemen. Are you engaged to a woman that's not really into you? What about you, ladies? Are you entertaining the thoughts of being with a man who's not really into you? How ludicrous. We wouldn't even do that as humans, sinful people. Why would God do that? Why would he go through with a marriage with a bride that doesn't want to be with him? Okay? They want to believe they're, you know, eternally secure. They're going to heaven. They don't want to be bothered with a relationship with Christ. Complete deception. That is a lie from hell. Is the first lie Satan ever told in the garden that led to the fall of the man and woman. And that's what leads to the people that are espoused and engaged to the great bridegroom, not making and being shut out like the shut out of the bridal chamber of eternity with Christ. The door shut in their face. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Go read it. What else could he be saying? That's what he's saying. You better keep your lamp full of the word of God, full of praise to the lamb of God. Hallelujah. John 15, 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. These are conditions, make no mistake, even as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, watch this, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. How many people want to walk in the fullness of joy? The Bible tells us in Psalm 45 and repeated in Hebrews 1, 9, that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his fellows. You know what that tells us? One of the things it tells us is that there's no one that's ever walked the earth that had more joy than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In fact, it says that for the joy, notice, for the joy, what is it, Hebrews 12, 2 or 3? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now, having accomplished the cross, burial, and resurrection, he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And notice right here, the next verse 13, John 15, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. And it was the great joy of obeying his Father as the Lamb of God, crucified for the sins of the world, that perpetuated and propelled the Lamb of God, the Son of God, to that cross for the great joy of redeeming you and I. Hallelujah. See, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that joy is refilled and replenished daily as we fellowship with the Lord, not by going into a building on Sunday morning and checking the box and then compartmentalizing, you know, fellowship instead of having all the walls destroyed and just broken out and that your whole life is a fellowship with Christ and his people. Amen. That would be more the biblical definition. So when they say not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together and try to attach that to you going to their church building on Sunday morning, that is not 
accurate. Now, if that church, let's say, is a very good fellowship with the King James Bible, you heard me, and it's real fellowship with real breaking of bread, the bread of the Word of God, etc., which is going to be a very rare thing. Most people that go to a church swear that it's so biblical because the pastor actually sprinkles in a scripture once in a while. Oh, boy. That's ridiculous. There may be a few that are good fellowships. That would more apply here. But when they're using this verse, they're not established in the Word of God and not getting you in it and equipping you to walk with Christ and for the work of the ministry. This does not apply to these false churches and false prophets. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Then it goes into talking about if we sin willfully after that. So fellowship, true fellowship is going to give us, there's going to be a, a dispensing of the grace of God. But first and foremost, your fellowship is with God. In fact, your fellowship with his people is only coming out of your relationship with him. And in fact, if you don't have fellowship with him, you don't have any fellowship with his people. You're not a member of the body of Christ. Notice 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, John says, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. See, now over and over, John 15, John 16, etc. We're seeing that joy is integrally connected biblically with our fellowship with the Father and with His Son. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. With it is the divine ability, the grace of God to walk through things in your cross life. Even as the Bible says, Jesus, for the joy, for the joy, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, staying in the book of Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, notice. Notice this, speaking of what's a real fellowship gathering and what's not. You got to know the word and rightly divide the word of truth, or you're just going to think that because some guy set up a church building, he calls it one, and stuck a cross on the top of it and has weekly meetings that, oh, that's fellowship with the Lord's people. No. That's not what it means. Notice, remember them which have the rule over you, that is the overseers, which Jesus said are there to serve you, by the way. The greatest among you is going to be the servant of all, not to rule over you. Each member of the body of Christ and the body of Christ corporately has one head, and that's Jesus Christ. Book of Colossians, book of Ephesians. Jesus is the only mediator between God and men. Jesus alone accomplished perfect redemption, said it is finished, was crucified, that is, finished, was buried, raised again from the dead, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us because Jesus died to purchase what he lives to provide. Book of Hebrews, have you studied it lately? Read through it five times consecutively. You can do it in the next week. So verse 7 of this glorious book of Hebrews, remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whoa, did you catch that? Did you just catch that? What do those who have true understanding, what do they do? They speak the word of God unto you. They're not always involved in, well, we need to raise money for a bigger building. We're building another one. There's always this building project. We'll talk about in a minute as we close on how do these guys just absolutely steal and squander and waste the resources of God's people. They waste their lives, their spirits, their bodies. They waste their money and all this energy 
and it's not for the glory of God. They're building and perpetuating their own existence. It's pretty much a circus in most cases. It's kind of a mutual admiration society and a little fraternal group that meets on Sunday morning in most cases. Now, somebody might say, man, you're just flat out mean. Well, I mean, again, guys, info at safeguardyoursoul.com. Contact me. From what I've seen and everybody I know, I think, the modern church has long been apostate. Why didn't we see this decades ago? Can't rely on that. We've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord that has enacted and lived that adventure every day. It's a cross life. It's a calling your brother or your sister on the phone and praying with them or communicating through whatever means and sharing holy scripture. So many memes with these nice little sayings. They aren't holy scripture, guys. Nothing's on the level of God's word. It's final divine authority. Share the word of God. Let it be the King James Bible. Notice, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their way of life. Notice what happens when you have a true under-shepherd, a true man of God, an elder in the body of Christ dwelling among you. That doesn't mean he has to stand up behind a piece of wood every week and give a message. No, not at all. Jesus came and dwelt among us. Yeah, so anytime we see him in the church setting, he was in the Jewish synagogues, which rejected him. We see him dwelling and living and eating among his disciples and going out among the people, having compassion on them. What we're doing and we see here in the modern church is we have limited God and we've limited our so-called relationship with God and his body to going somewhere on Sunday morning as if we're fulfilling some duty. That's ridiculous. Notice the apostle says in Acts 6, 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And also Acts 8, 4, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. What? They didn't go to the church building? No, they went everywhere preaching the word. Hebrews 13, 7, remember them that have the rule over you who, and he tells you how to find them, how to discern who they are, who have spoken unto you the word of God. You see, a lot of people, I'd say most, that are in the positions of Christian leadership today are not speaking the Word of God. If they do do it, it's very scant. It's just there to give you just enough. And they're not getting you into the Word like Paul told Timothy to get in the Word. That right there, both of those, any of those two points, make them a false teacher. That is not a man you should submit to. They're not giving you the pure Word of God on a constant basis. Notice verse 13, same chapter. And these are often misused, often misused to get people, people that don't know the Word yet and are not discerning, to submit to them, to elders that are not even fulfilling their duty as an elder. And those guys get funded, man. They get funded. Let me tell you, the more lies you tell in ministry today, the richer you are in this world, but your eternal abode will be damnation. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3, their damnation, who's there? He's talking about, quote, false prophets and false teachers, unquote. Their damnation does not slumber. It slumbereth not. It's coming. It's guaranteed. That's what he's saying there. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. So true elders of the Lord preach the word and only the word to you. It follows the model of Nehemiah 8.8. We talk about this in the onset of the book, Predators in Our Pulpits. Nehemiah 8, I believe it's verse 8. We see that the elders set up a pulpit and put the scriptures on it. And then they read the scriptures distinctly. Key, that's very key. They read straight out of the word of God and they gave the sense thereof. That's what ministry is. 
the biggest and most important part of ministry is putting forth the Word of God itself, itself, let it be the pure Word of God, not a fake version of it, and then giving the sense of it, talking about it in its relationship to its immediate context and in the whole context of Scripture and looking for Christ and His truth in it. Verse 17, Hebrews 13, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Watch this. For they watch for your souls. Oh boy, right there. There's your nugget right there. There it is. How many people know under shepherds or those in Christian leadership who are actually watching for the souls of the saints? Wow. Praying for them ministering the word to them, feeding them. Jesus said, feed my sheep three times to Peter. John 21, 15 through 17. Say it with me out loud. Feed my sheep. You know, in the flesh, we say, well, I got to come up with something to feed them. No, you don't. Open the Bible. Give them God's content, God's food. Feed them with God's food. That's just it. Let's stop trying to invent a wheel or make something special out of ourselves delivering the Word of God, and just let it be about the Word of God. What if the, for the next week, all you did was post King James Bible Scripture? Wouldn't that be awesome? See, but we're always trying to assert ourselves into the occasion. And this doesn't mean that we don't have a personality and stuff like that, but we've got to be careful not to let that get in the way. May God get all of the rust out of our pipe so that there's a clean flow from heaven with no additives. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your soul. Now, why has some of you listening to me submitted to men who don't care about your soul? They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about judgment to come. They don't talk about be holy as I am holy as God said. They don't talk about how God said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. They don't warn you about hell. Jesus warned his own friends about hell. He said, we're to fear him that has power to cast us into hell. Luke 12, 1 through 5. They're not talking about repentance. They're not talking about the crucified life, the cross. So how are they watching for your souls? They're not. They're going to damn your souls unless you run for your life. As we come in for a landing, God bless everyone listening, by the way. Is God calling you out of the church attendance lifestyle, which has robbed, it has ruined, and damned untold millions? We're in the final stages of this age, saints. It's time to come aside unto the Lord. It's time to mobilize and now begin to use your faculties and resources to see the kingdom of Christ built in the hearts of men and to cease funding and the lifestyles and all the associated things, the buildings, the light bills of the modern church. Those men are enterprising men that are building their own church kingdom in most cases. If they're not, then think about what we talked about so far. Second Timothy 2.15 is a recap. True men of God, like Paul told Timothy, tell you to get in the Word. Is he doing that? If not, run for your life. Is he watching for your soul? Hebrews 13.17. How about this one? This is all Bible, guys. I'm giving you exact scripture. Is he speaking unto you the word of God in the fullness of the whole counsel of scripture? It takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Most people are just doing this little topical thing and keeping people's ears tickled from one week to the next. And most of it's you never see anybody preaching it in the Bible. How to cope. 
all about relationship, all of this surface stuff that's ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because they won't deny themselves, take up the cross and follow Christ. If the cross is not at the center of your life, the blood of Christ's cross and the crucified life, you are going nowhere with God. In fact, you're backslidden. And if you're not hearing that message, you are not submitted to a man who is speaking unto you the oracles of God. Run for your life. That's not the fellowship the Bible calls for. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's real simple. We have created a bureaucracy, a big old thing, you know, with all these board members and all this foolish garbage in the modern church. Man, get out of that. Christ's body needs to operate autonomously and organically. You remember, it wasn't till Lot came out of Sodom and then looked back I would surmise from a far way off and saw that city on fire, bellowing with smoke up in flames, torched from heaven. You know, the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. It says, come out of her, my people, lest you receive of her plagues. Revelation 18, 4, talking about religious Babylon, come out lest you be destroyed with her. And that goes together with bidding Godspeed to false teachers. God says you're going to be judged with them. Second John 10 and 11. Read the Bible yourself, friend. Did John the Baptist have a Sunday morning church service he attended? No. He lived out in the wilderness eating honey and crickets, I believe, you know. He didn't have this mutual admiration society that he went to to make him feel good on Sunday morning. Why was he able to be so powerfully used of God? Why was he full of divine fortitude in the truth, his conscience captive to the word of God, to be able to tell those religious leaders and all their garb that came to the baptism, who called you to repent, you bunch of snakes? Matthew chapter 3. You have these dignitaries, the town mayor, you know, some Catholic uh, bishop walk into uh, most of these modern churches that claim to be Protestant or non-denominational, and they're just going to roll out the red carpet for these devils when they ought to be rebuking them upright. Like, say, some Democrat walked into a church building on Sunday morning. The pastor, if he was godly, would say, Who's called you to repent, you vile, demonic murderer of innocent babies? What have you seen that? That would be the Bible way to treat it. But no, what are they going to do? They're going to roll out the red carpet. And old T.D. the devil, Jake's, has all of these absolute demonic baby murdering animals come in there and preach. And preach the Democrat or the communist demonic party. Unbelievable. You shall know them by their fruits. I didn't say the Republican Party is godly. But we know this, 100% of that demonic Democrat party votes for and legislates the murder of unborn children, period. You're not a Democrat if you're not believing in candidate and legislating the murder of innocent babies. Judgment is on America, and it's not going away. That doesn't mean God can't protect his people in the midst of it, but America has spit in the face of a holy God with now about 60 million dead innocent babies and all of this other stuff that's being done. So did Jesus, as apostles, go to some building on Sunday morning? No, no. This didn't come until later. That's not the model of fellowship. Read the Bible and find out what the model of fellowship is. The fellowship spoken about, as we read earlier in Hebrews 10.25, you got to have a biblical definition as we close here, what it means to forsake not the fellowshipping of yourself together with the saints is. 
And what would that biblical definition be? Let's look at Acts 2 as we close. This was the birth of the church. This is the day of Pentecost. And then thereafter, let's read just the last portion of this chapter, beginning in verse 42, the fellowship of the believers. Here it is. And they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine, the word of God. That's what that is. That's the, the doctrines of the apostles that it's actually the doctrine of Christ given to the apostles and then spread to the world. So they continued in steadfastly in four things, just four simple things. This is so organic and so beautiful. You know, the highest form of sophistication is simplicity. When you see the French and the Italians put a dish together that is so exquisite, it defies description. And then you go, wow, that's only like two or three things they got in that plate. That's what comes to mind in the natural when I think about simplicity and how it's the ultimate form of sophistication. Let's stop adding to, and that's what we're talking about, these modern churches of 501c3s. In other words, have handed over the authority of that whole organization and themselves to the state. So they've divorced the Savior for the state. Go on safeguardyoursoul.com and put in the, the number 501, and you're going to see a couple of things in there, posts that will blow your wig off about what these guys have done. Now the state can tell them what to preach, when to preach, and where to preach. That's what the bylaws are that they signed up for. Who in the world goes to the state when God, the Lord Jesus, the Savior, calls them to preach? Why do you go submit yourself to the world's satanically run government? Are you kidding me? That doesn't make you official. That makes you completely deceived. And you sign bylaws that now hinder what you can say, where you can say it. Unbelievable. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread in prayers. Notice what's first of these four elements of true organic fellowship. The apostles' doctrine, that's the word of God. Number two, fellowshipping, loving on, getting to know each other, praying with one. Then what's number three? Breaking of bread. Jesus often ate with his apostles and with his people. That's what he did on the last night before he was crucified. The last supper, as we know it, they broke bread. That could also refer to communion. Amen. Believe it probably does, could apply and would best apply to both. And then the fourth thing of the four things that the early church was doing in their fellowship is prayers. Isn't that simple? I want you to make this a monumentally important verse in your life and share it with other believers. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Notice this, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Such great fruit coming out of rich fellowship with Christ and his people. We see it, it involving simply the word of God, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. It's amazing what God will do. We don't see any of that coming out of the modern church. None of it. If you see somebody doing something for Jesus, he ain't a part of the modern church. What does that tell you? Let me ask you to name one person you know, just one, a faithful church member and is also doing the work of the ministry every day, lifting up the body of Christ in prayer, ministering the word of God, comforting other saints, sending forth rebukes when needed, getting the word of God into the hearts of the people. Tell me, how many believers you know are fervent disciples of Jesus and simultaneously good church members? Boom, case closed, bad fruit, poison. Verse 44, Acts 2, and all that believe, notice this, 
all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They were not living for this world. We got so many people that spend more time and money on entertainment a month. They got to pray about giving twenty dollars. I'm just giving an example to a gospel ministry a month. Unbelievable. They didn't pray about paying for the entertainment, did they? But oh, they're going to have to pray about supporting a gospel ministry work. Oh boy, I'm just going to leave that right there, man, because you got to give out of a cheerful heart. And if you are so backslidden that that's what your life looks like, you need to repent big time. When you do, you will lay up treasure in heaven. You will discipline, you will set a absolute course for yourself in your stewardship of your time, treasure, and talents. Verse 46, and they continuing daily. Oh, there it is again. I tell you what, Look up the word daily in the New Testament. That'll change your life, that little study. Daily, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. See, they fellowshiped all the time. A lot of folks today, they go to church on Sunday. They're real proud of themselves. Are you kidding me? I have a, on a regular basis over the years, I've had people try to get me to, for most of my life, up until the last couple of years, I was always somewhere on Sunday morning fellowshipping. Now, it's got to be an individual thing. Like I said, if God's calling you out to come on out, the water's fine. Your life in Christ is going to flourish. He who saved you can keep you, and he will. Not only will he keep you, he'll keep you from all the poison you'd be getting on Sunday morning, set you free, fill you with his spirit, and you'll begin to live an adventure, a gospel adventure, and win souls and lay up treasure in heaven and go to heaven. A lot of the folks that are lukewarm, which is most of them in those modern churches, Jesus is going to spew them out of his mouth. Argue with that, Revelation 3, 15 and 16. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Singleness of heart set upon Christ. Singleness of heart, which means simplicity that is a great word because Paul spoke about the simplicity that is in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he feared that the body of Christ would be moved away by false teachers. In this case, the false churches and false teachers of today would be moved away from the simplicity that is in Christ. I mean, think about how little you hear of the gospel itself. What is the gospel? Most people don't even know what the gospel is. At its core, it's uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. You're not even hearing about it. The focus is not on Christ. It's on you. They've deified you. Why? They're tickling your ears so that they can get you to keep doing what they want you to do. Keep attending, keep giving, keep building their little church business and keep the wheels of the circus, the circus wheels spinning. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness or simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. There was an anointing on the early church, wasn't there? They were constantly praising God. Hey, let me ask you this. Is there a song bubbling out of your spirit every day? My, it's not always that case for me, but I tell you what, I love that. And I didn't get that from going to church building. No, that comes from walking with Christ. And the Lord added to, notice the Lord, he's got to do it, but he will do it through his body as they are abiding in him in uh, purity of heart and in simplicity, the simplicity that is in Christ. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. You're going to be used of God as you walk with him. 
Jesus says, walk through Paul. He says, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit. And he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're not going to be constantly set back by the weights and the sins which do so easily don't beset you because you're going to begin to look unto Jesus. Yeah. Not look under the church and the people that go to that church. You got to come out from among them so that you can look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Let's close with Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run, run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. All the modern church is doing is hindering people from doing just that. They're not running. They're not serving God according to the prescription of Scripture. They're bogged down in this miry clay, this dark, clouded, modern church setting. Their whole focus when they hear God is, oh, I go to church. Oh, I love my church. Oh, I love my pastor. It's not, oh, Jesus is so good. He found my wretched soul and washed me in his blood. Hallelujah. I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus. You don't hear that testimony from these churchgoers. That alone proves it's false. And the fruit of it is a stench in the nostrils of a holy God. Verse 2, Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, he begins your, your salvation and he finishes it, not your church who for the joy, not your church attendance, but God himself, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. God bless you, saints. Thank you for listening. And if God, again, is calling you out, do it. You know other people that have come out. Fellowship with them. Have a regular time. You know, I've got people I've talked to on the phone every week for years. Some of them less often, but constant, perpetual, regular time of prayer, fellowship, finding out what they need prayer for. They always ask me what I need prayer for. That's amazing fellowship. That's real fellowship. That's organic. It's not a plastic force thing because you, you know, you wound up in a building with different people you didn't choose to be with on Sunday morning. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening and thank you for praying for the fruitfulness of this outreach. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.